Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And as you know, every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, Norm, we're just really glad they our listeners join us. You know what this weekend is? I Hear know. the bells ringing, they're singing, Christ is risen. Boy, that dates us. Dead. Yeah, well, if you know I think the name. A, yeah, a lot of people in our audience, I think, are going to know that song. <laughs> yeah. It's Easter. Happy Easter yes. weekend, everybody. Happy Easter. What's your favorite Easter memory? I mean, it's mostly mostly the memories with our children, and obviously at church, because sure. that's the big, big holiday that we love. It was very majestic in the churches that we've been to with lots of fanfare and you know, trumpets and all kinds oh, of my singing. favorite Sunday of the uh, of the year every year. Yeah, Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday, as my mom always said, don't call it Easter, call it Resurrection right. Sunday. <laughs> she did, <laughs> and we had all these big family dinners. So I love the big family dinners after the service. So that's that's yeah. it. So, how about you? Anything that comes to mind? Well, I, I do, I'm with you. The church services were always spectacular, but I'm bugged right now. It seems to me like Easter, not unlike Christmas, seems to have lost all of the reality of its meaning in our culture today. It's so sad to see how commercialized it's become. I know, I know. I I have gone to multiple stores looking for something with religious symbols for mm-hmm. Easter because they don't want to just put out bunnies and you know baskets and things like that. I'm not against that, but I wanted something that had the significance, and I. Honestly, I couldn't find crosses or any types of religious symbols, and I thought, wow, how sad is that? Well, thankfully, the church still knows the importance of the holiday. Easter is the single most important celebration in the Christian calendar, and did you know the single most attended church service all year long? More than than Christmas? (laughs) More than Christmas. Oh, okay. So for many traditions, this lead-up to Holy Week adds even greater significance to the celebration. Yeah, you and I in the past have attended a Monday Thursday evening service during Holy Week. Mm-hmm. And for those that may never have heard about that, why don't you tell them what that is? I would love to. Monday is M-A-U-N-D-Y. It's derived from the Latin word mandatum, meaning commandment. It refers to the commandments Jesus gave his disciples at the Last Supper, which was a Monday Thursday dinner. That night, he was betrayed. He told them, to love with humility by serving each other and to remember his sacrifice through the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine that he was about to serve them. So this was a Passover meal, and Jesus took that bread and wine and blessed it. With the bread, he said, this represents my body, which I'm about to give for you, and we're going to eat this in remembrance of him. Yeah, and you and I, you and I always think about when when they talk about communion, if they say, my body given or my bad body broken, because there was nothing broken in Jesus' bones, at least. So it's just a, an interesting uh, thing that we've always noticed, right. but his body was given for right. us. It's a tradition that gets said in many yeah. liturgies. Then Jesus took the cup of wine, 
He blessed it, told his disciples, Now this represents my blood that will be poured out for you. Do it in remembrance of me. This is why so many churches have a communion service. And remembering the Last Supper and Jesus' commands is so important. That was the night it happened when he was betrayed. And after that supper, of course, came Good Friday. And, you know, I've been asked by mainly by children, but other adults that ha- are new to the faith say, why is it Good Friday? Yeah, good question. Nothing good happened on that day. <laughs> I mean, it was a really dark day. The sky got dark and Jesus was crucified. It's a great question. Um, so what do you say about that? Well, I think the reason we call Good Friday good is because Jesus willingly— He could have called all the angels to rescue him, remember? Sacrificed himself, suffered just for us. There was a purpose in all of his suffering. He knew that purpose, and he was obedient to it, even unto death in the most cruel and unusual way during his time on a cross. He took our sin with him to the cross so that we could be saved. Without that sacrifice, we could never repay God for all of our sins. So Jesus paid the price for us. Yeah, and and when you think about he willingly sacrificed, I mean, that was the good. Jesus did good by facing the evil Mm -hmm. that's in our world. And on that day, it really looked like evil won. But Easter reminds us that this is just not true. Jesus triumphed over the grave. Death could not keep him, and he rose again. And Easter is our celebration of that Resurrection Sunday. It's the main event, and it really is the source of all of our hope. Yeah, you know, I, I try to relate to his followers and disciples in their shoes at the time. I know. They didn't know Good Friday was coming and that it would ultimately be good because they didn't have Easter yet. Yeah. And for that matter, they weren't even sure they'd ever see Jesus again. There were times when it feels like evil is winning and we feel hopeless and our problems will never end. That's how they felt. And maybe you're listening to us right now and you're feeling that same thing. Maybe you feel like you're going through a Good Friday of your own right now. Or somebody you know is doing that. You know, you've received a terrible health diagnosis. Maybe you're sick with the flu or some disease and are scared. Or maybe a spouse is divorcing you or you just can't shake off an addiction. Maybe you feel depressed, you can't find a job, or you're looking for purpose in your life, or you don't know how life is going to go. Discouragement has really set in for you. Well, things look hopeless at the moment. And that's what that Good Friday was all about. It looked hopeless at the moment. And we all go through seasons like this. And during those times, the most important thing we can do is to remain hopeful, knowing that God is in control and is with us. Still, many of us struggle really, Norm, to live in that type of hope on a day-to-day basis. I think it's because hope isn't natural to us. When we face difficult times, the first thing we do is we get discouraged. What causes discouragement and darkness to take over? Are there some specific things we should know about to contribute to this hopelessness? I think there are several factors that can lead us to feel discouraged and lose hope. One is just fatigue Mm. and being tired all the time. Mm -hmm. When you're physically or emotionally exhausted, you're really a prime candidate to be discouraged. Your defenses are lowered and things seem bleaker than they really are. And this often occurs when you are halfway through a major project or a long illness or very challenging. You're having some really challenging personal experience. You might be just become physically and emotionally tired and depleted. I know when I've been in those situations, you don't feel like getting up. You, you don't. don't. It's not full-on depression, but it's just you're so wiped out by whatever it is, fill yeah. in the blank. I, that makes sense. What about failure or feeling like nothing's going right? Could that play a role? 
I think so, because when things don't go right, it's just really easy to become frustrated mm. and give up and give in. And when those unfinished tasks pile up, it's natural to feel overwhelmed. And when trivial matters or the unexpected interrupt you constantly and they prevent you from doing the things you need to do or what you really want to do, your frustrations can easily produce discouragement. I think, you know, think about the coronavirus and the pandemic and Mm -hmm. how much disruption that that caused. And that easily led people to a lot of discouragement. So if we're not careful and we don't really look at what is bothering us, we can get very hopeless. We know we heard so many pastors were discouraged and wanted to get out of the ministry. That makes total sense. You know, and fear is such a driver of this. Fear is behind more discouragement than probably we would like to admit. The fear of criticism, you know, what will they think if I say this? The fear of responsibility, what if I can't handle this? The fear of failure, what if I blow it? The fear of illness, what if something terrible happens to me? All these things can be a major onset to the blues or feeling uh, like you've lost your hope. Okay, let's stop. Before we go on, I think we need a definition of hope. Give us hope. What does that mean? Well, the dictionary says that hope is a feeling of optimism or a desire that something will happen. But I like what John Piper says. He says, biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, but it expects it to happen. Mm, I like that. Me too. But how does the opposite work? How does a lack of hope affect our mental health? I mean, hope is critical to our mental health, right? It absolutely is. Without it, we can become depressed, negative, or give up. And hope influences our thoughts and our emotions. When we believe good things can happen or things will turn around, this influences our well-being and even our recovery. Even small things are affected. People with hope even have higher GPAs in school. Oh. Yeah. Hope in Christ brings confidence, not in yourself, but in the powerful God that we serve. Wow. And often we talk about relationships on the Dr. Linda Mental Relationship Doctor Show. So how does hope affect our relationships? Well, it's just critical to not lose hope. And one of the reasons, Nora, we're often disappointed in our relationships is because we're asking another human being to meet all of our needs. Mm. And sometimes those needs can only be met by God. So people don't always stay with you through difficulty. People can fail you. They can abandon you. They can leave you. Now, this doesn't mean we give up on people. We have to have people right in our lives, but we have to have grace. We have to realize that people are not going to be perfect. Only God is perfect, and only God can meet all of your needs. He tells us in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So people disappoint, but God does not. And I, we need to remember that hope says, and this is from Ephesians, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Wow, that's good. Overall, so how would you describe what hope does for us? Well, it motivates us to keep trying when things are difficult. When you never give up and you maintain hope, you keep going. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Boy, this is good stuff. Seems to me that we need to work to find hope in all the right places. It's so easy to look to government or leaders or money or success or jobs, so many wrong sources hoping to find hope. I honestly don't know how people can stay hopeful without a belief in God. Well, let's take a quick break here, and when we return, we'll discover the perfect solution to find and maintain hope. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Dr. Linda Mental Show right after this. 
Okay, let's be honest. There are times when we eat just because life is tense, or the kids are driving you crazy, or we feel anxious or insecure about a relationship with a friend or a spouse, right? Food might just be too available, or I can't help myself, or it feels so good to dive into the ice cream sundae. We have a million excuses, but the truth is, sometimes we just eat out of emotion not need. You know, it happens to all of us. So how do we fix the problem? Well, here's a quick prescription, and it begins with press pause. If you follow this simple plan, you can say goodbye to mindless eating and hello to the joys of eating. When you press pause, you slow down and begin to listen to your body. Am I truly hungry? What's going on around me that makes me want to put something in my mouth? So here's how to pause. We're going to spell it out. The P stands for purpose, purpose to delay immediate gratification. Then the A stands for attend, attend to the moment, but also be mindful of the future and how your immediate decision might be the one you regret later. Next is the U, understand that your good intentions and even your willpower don't win the impulsive eating battle. You need a healthy dose of God help. Then the S, strategize, find ways to incorporate God's help You invite the Holy Spirit to work within you, and you'll discover His strength to improve your self-control. And then finally, the E, execute those changes. So to eat without emotion, press pause before you eat. The other night, I had an interesting conversation with friends at dinner. We were talking about the idea that Bible stories were not just nice stories, but they were there to help us relate to difficulties when they come. Now, I know this wasn't exactly a new thought. I know we know this. But how often do we think about what we are going through and actually place our life stories in the context of those Bible stories? So here's what we did. We took turns and we related a current issue that we were each having to a specific Bible story. Then we used those stories to encourage one another. So for example, one of my friends had a relationship with his boss that felt a lot like David's relationship with Saul. One moment the boss was praising him and giving him assignments. The next moment, the fiery spears would fly. Like David, he trusted God for his tomorrow. He often wondered about the timing of God's intervention, but trusted that God was working on his behalf and the plans God had for him were good. Another friend related to Joseph. She was in a job, unappreciated, and felt thrown to the side while others ascended and were promoted. She could really relate to being in the prison of neglect and rejection, hoping and praying that the king, the boss, would remember her and release her from false charges that caused the rejection. Like Joseph, she believed God would restore what was lost. By the end of the dinner, we were laughing and smiling. Life may have thrown us a few curves, but we were determined to react to those curves like the people of faith who went before us. So the next time you need a little encouragement, hey, grab that Bible storybook and think about the lessons we teach our children. Those stories aren't just for kids. They can really encourage us too. We welcome you back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Today's topic is the hope of Easter. And we've got so much more to talk about. But before we move on, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. There you will find her blogs, her books, and you can connect with her on social media. 
And Dr. Linda's most recent book is filled with hope for chronic pain sufferers living beyond pain. This book helps anyone living with pain to get their life back. It's available online and its subtitle is Get Your Life Back. I'd say that's pretty hopeful. We really wrote that book to give people hope because when you're chronically suffering with pain, you can get easily discouraged. And so part of our purpose in doing that was to make meaning out of suffering and to help people know that there's a whole lot more other than drugs that you can do to really help your chronic pain. Yeah. Well, as we continue exploring this topic of hope, specifically within the context of how Jesus brings us hope, while we're remembering Easter, I love all that together, Dr. Linda, it seems that despite all the good news that we read in the Bible, we sometimes lose hope because of the circumstances or the darkness we face. I think that means we're not fully trusting that he's going to pull us through with a solution. Yeah, I'm I'm with you because it's easy to go to that negative mindset. Things and circumstances can look so dismal if we have nothing or no one to put our hope in. And our hope comes from the Lord. He's completely trustworthy, as we keep reminding you. Uh, You're going to hear us say that over and over. We have been created to hope, to long for the day when all wrongs will be righted, when disease will be gone, when brokenness will be healed. Philip Yancey's The Jesus I Never Knew has a chapter about Good Friday, Norm. He points out that when Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He used the word God instead of Abba or Father. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. His point was that even Christ felt abandoned in his darkest hour. He wasn't appealing to his daddy God, rather to the Almighty, who knew how we react when we feel abandoned. Wow. I love Yancey. I know. He's he's one of my favorite writers. (laughs) He also reminds us that the darkness of Good Friday gave way to light and hope. Yeah, Yancey says that Easter holds the promise of reversibility. Destruction and even death can be reversed because of what Christ did on the cross. Easter is the starting point. It's a preview to our promised alternate reality. Oh, I love that. Alternate reality. Yeah, it's That's great. That's what video games do or virtual reality does. It's they true. create a different reality into which we can escape. But we already have one, and it's not an escape. It's a promise to come. Yeah, that's really good. Yancey says that our present lives are the contradiction of what is to come. If God can do what he did on Easter, what more does he have for us in eternity? Mm. Easter is a glimpse of that eternity. And Yancey also points out that the physical scars that Christ suffered remain on his transformed body as a reminder that painful memories may never completely go away, but the hurt of those scars eventually will. When we see Jesus, he will still bear those scars that provided our healing and our salvation. What an eternal memory for all of us to be reminded of that. And I'm reminded of the fact that the biblical David also felt discouragement. Yeah, and what did he do when he did? I love what he did. He talked to himself in a way that was uplifting his soul. So he actually tells his soul to bless the Lord and to remember the benefits of serving God. Right. He actually wrote a psalm to encourage himself in the Lord, something we should all probably do more regularly. Write a song? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or encourage ourselves in the Lord. Either, both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably better at the encouragement part than writing a song. But anyway, we're just kidding around. Instead of focusing, though, on all his problems, what did David do? He did Scott. What did David do? He decided to engage his will and rehearse the goodness of God. He begins the psalm by blessing the Lord. Then he speaks to his soul and he reminds himself of all the good that God does for those who are faithful to him. 
Then he continues his list. He said, he forgives all my sins, so there's no need to live in condemnation or guilt. The past is forgiven and gone. Secondly, he says, he heals all my diseases. A bad report, Norm, is subject to the healing power of Christ. (laughs) He redeems my life from the pit. And in that process, he crowns me with love and compassion. And he concludes that he satisfies my desires with good things. So yes, bad news comes, life gets crazy and stressful, but we have to remember who we serve and the blessings that come from being one of God's children. That's good. So when we feel discouraged, let's do what David did and encourage ourselves in the Lord. It's the perfect prescription to change discouragement into praise and gratitude. This is so good. I think we need a healthy injection of hope for all of us and our world. Give us a couple examples of hope that we need. Well, how about the hope of healing? Oh, that's good. So the woman with a flow of blood, hope for Jesus' healing. The Capernaum. The Capernaum. The Capernaum, the Capernaum centurion hoped Jesus would heal his servant. And the two blind men in Jericho hoped Jesus would give them sight. Some of you need the hope of something better. And so Hannah hoped God would give her a child. Abraham, contrary to hope, believed that God would fulfill his promise to him and make him a father of many nations. So the message here is, stay and live in hope. Despite the circumstances and what it looks like. That's good. Those examples are reminders that even when it might seem unreasonable, or as the Bible says, contrary to hope, hang on to it. God is able to make circumstances and situations we face better if not in this life, certainly in the life which is to come for those of us in Jesus Christ. You know, Norman, even the book of Job, which we think of as a pretty difficult book (laughs) in terms of what Job went through, had several references, has several references to hope. It's a book about all those trials of a righteous man and everything that he faced, and it looked really hopeless in the natural. And it reminds us that even the faithful people of God get discouraged from time to time. Well, and that's why Aaron and her lifted up Moses' arms when they were overlooking the battle so that they would continue to win the battle. Moses was tired and discouraged, and he couldn't go on, but he had two friends who helped. Yeah, and if you don't know the story, Joshua was fighting the Amalekites. Moses was to stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in his hand. And And as Joshua fought the Amalekites... Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill with Moses. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites would prevail. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites would prevail. (coughs) When Moses' hands grew tired, as Norm said, Aaron and Hur took a stone, put it under Moses, and he sat on it, and then Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands so Israel would prevail. I remember the flannel graph pictures of did that. Did you have one of Oh, that? my gosh, we did. We did not have He was that sitting one. on a big rock, and they were holding up his hands. I remember that vividly. What a great story. It illustrates the importance of the body of Christ. We need other people to walk alongside us and help us fight when we get discouraged. And that's what the Easter season is all about, remembering that God will help you and hasn't abandoned you to whatever the problem is. Ask Him for new energy to face whatever you're going through and for faith. Resist discouragement and fight back. No one forces you to feel bad. You choose that by giving into negative thinking and feeling sorry for yourself. Choose faith and hope because God is in your life and He is fighting for you. So think on all of these good things that we're saying. Fight back negative thoughts with Scripture. Remember, 
Easter eventually comes. Yes, indeed. God is the author of hope. Psalm 39, 7 says, My hope is in you. Have confidence in God. Psalm 71 says, For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. And adding to that, Psalm 119, 147 says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. And think about this. We are created for hope, to long for the day when all the wrongs will be righted. Well, as we rebuild our lives from devastating times, from the hurts, the wounds that we might have experienced, remember Holy Week reminds us that our new start is coming. Tears will be gone. Suffering will be no more. After Good Friday comes Easter. Easter is all about hope, resurrection, and the power of our Lord to overcome evil. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes this show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Doing life together. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.